0: Well, if I didn't know about it, I'd think Brother Rugg loves Jesus. What do you think about that? I think we ought to love Jesus. Take your Bible, if you would, this morning, and if you would, go to 1 John chapter 4. Small little book. If you find the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, also written by the Apostle John, or at least by his hand. You go back a few pages, you'll find 1 John. And... um, I think there's much interest in, uh, in the book of Revelation. Certainly, the day and age in which we live, I believe it won't be long until we'll hear a trumpet sound and, and the Lord Jesus is going to return. I, I don't know that many people really believe that, but I believe that it's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye, just like the Bible promised. We're going to be here one moment. Next minute, we're all going to be standing on a cloud looking at one another. And um, John wrote, uh, God used him to write the Revelation, used him to write the Gospel of John. A lot of interest in the Gospel of John, the miracles that Jesus performed in the Gospel of John, and how, how Jesus was presented as the Son of God. And then this small book, 1 John, First, Second, and 3 John. And you know, John wrote after Paul had written. I know there's a lot of emphasis on um, many times on the Pauline epistles, the prison epistles. But John had access to those things. He he lived until about 90 years of age, and the Revelation, the book of Revelation, written about 96 A.D., and uh, that was after they tried to boil him in oil and couldn't kill him, and then they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos, trying to separate him from everybody, but all they did was just push him a little bit closer to God, and... Um, John was certainly one of those special men you find in the Bible. If you look there in in verse number 1 of 1 John chapter 4, this chapter is divided really by the word beloved. If you look there at the word beloved in verse number 1, verses 1 through 6 deal with the marks of a false prophet. And then if you look at it again in verse number 7, the word beloved. In verse 7 down through verse number 12, the mark of God's love. Is, is spoken about there. And then if you look down verse number 14, the Bible says the same thing. And, and we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world and the rest of that, excuse me, verse number 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. The mark of Christian life. So you have a false prophet that is marked in verses one through six. You have the love of God that is marked in verses seven through 10, and then you have the, the measure of a Christian marked in verses 11 through 21. And I wanna deal with the first six verses if I could. If you'll read them with me. The Bible says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby I know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Year of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now I want you to notice, if you would, the emphasis that the spirit of God, that God places on the spirit world. Look there in verse number one, believe not every spirit, but try the spirit's. Verse number 2, know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus is come in the flesh is of God. Verse 3, and every spirit that confesses not that Jesus has come in the flesh is not of God, and this is that spirit of Antichrist. Look down there again at verse number 6, we are of God, he that uh, heareth God heareth us, and he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, there's an emphasis there on definitely the spiritual world. Now, I, I don't know, I don't know how many of you would be cognizant of that, but, I, but listen, there is a spirit world that you and I cannot see. All right? And that spiritual world, that spirit world existed long before the physical world existed. In other words, there was God long before he ever made heaven and the earth. There were angels long before he made the heaven and earth. And before ever man walked on the ground here, before there were ever physical things about life, there was a spiritual world. And I'm telling you today, I think it's important that we understand that is not something to be ignored. That spiritual world is real. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness, against spiritual wickedness in high places. In other words, there is a battle that's taking place that you can't see. And unlike the Ukraine, where you have people that are shooting weapons at one another, there is another battle for the souls of man that rests in the spiritual world. And I know that sometimes we kind of just pass that by, but the Bible, look at what it says there in verse 1, Believe not every spirit. Look who that's written to. Beloved. You know, John didn't write to any particular church, Galatia, Thessalonica. He wrote to the believers, he wrote to the little children. He says, Beloved, he's talking about you and I. He's writing to the church and he says, Believe not every spirit and try the spirits. Yeah, I, I, that used to give me a lot of problem, but, but I'm going to try to deal with that today. And here's what I would say to you. Listen, the spirit world is something that is around us. There is definitely a, a new age movement in this world we live in that thinks you can find some kind of healing through a crystal. Right. They believe that there's all kind of powers in the, the astrological heavens, in the signs, and there are people that read tarot cards. Well, that have anything to do with the earthly things that are physical. That has to do with the spiritual world. There, there is animism throughout the world. There are people that believe that the, the rocks have spirit in them and that trees have spirit in them. And that you shouldn't cut down a tree because when you cut down a tree, you're taking the life of something. No, you're not. That tree may have life given to it physically, but it is not spiritually alive. And I know people want to have the idea that there's such thing as Mother Earth. There's no such thing as Mother Earth. The Earth is the Earth. But there are people that believe that. There are people that believe in all kinds of things. The early indigenous peoples throughout the world and tribal uh, different arrangements had all kind of belief in the spirit world and what was hereafter and on the other side. And, And they were in communication with that. They communicated with those spirits. You say, preacher, do you believe people communicate with spirits today? I don't know if you watch the Harry Potter series, it looks like a lot of people communicate with the spirit world. There's a whole lot of that going on. It is normal today for people to believe in magic and wizards and wizardry and witchcraft. And, and we, all, we, act, we want to act like that's just kind of something that happens at Halloween. And I heard a man say this. It was funny. It says, you know, we talk about how wicked the devil is and how this, the, the devil was somebody that would destroy your life. But once a year we want to party with him at Halloween. Yeah. The idea that there is not a belief in a spirit world, there are all kinds of people that believe in magic, magicians, wizards. I have no idea what's on the television today, but I guarantee you that's out there. And then believe in devils and devil possession. How many how many of you believe, how many believe that in this world we definitely have people that are possessed with a devil? Don't have any doubt about that in my mind. I remember at Bible college here that my, my, one of my professors that was in a, uh, a region of the world that would not be nearly as civilized as this region we live in, that a witch doctor came and he had a contest with him. He said, I, I want to see what your God can do. Let me show you what my God can do. And He said he watched that man take a, a nail and put it through his arm and pull it back out and not one drop of blood. And then he said he watched that man take and walk on coals. He said, this is what my God will let me do, what will your God let you do. And he said, that man walked on those burning coals, and when he turned around and walked back, there was no harm to his feet. And I'm sitting in Bible college, and I'm wondering, well, how are you going to answer a man that just put a nail through his arm and then walked on burning coals? I don't even like to walk on hot concrete and rocks. And he said to that man, he said, well, my God made the, the, the metal that was used to make the nail that you put into your arm. And my God made the trees that you cut down to make the, the hot rocks. My God made all the stuff that you're using. My God's a whole lot greater than your God is. And all I'm just saying is that there is definitely a spiritual world that's out there. And if we're, if we're oblivious to that, if we think that's not something that's taking place and going on around us in the world we live in, then we're missing something that we've been instructed not to miss, and that is that we're not to believe every spirit. Look at it again in verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, that you need to have some discernment about you. You need to be able to discern between what is the spirit of Antichrist and what is the spirit of the living God. You need to be able to discern what is the spirit of error and what is the spirit of truth. And as a believer, I'm talking about today, you need to know how to discern and how to say, you know what, I'm going to try the spirits. Now, I used to think, well, what in the world does, does that mean? How do you try the spirits? And you know, the word try just means to examine, to test, to prove. Um... When you buy something today, if you buy it online, you you best make sure that you're buying an original, not a replica. That you're buying something that's real and not fake. You ever had somebody sell you a watch or a pen? You ever had a guy, I had a guy, I remember a guy, walked up to me, he said, man, you like to buy a watch? You know, he had Rolex watches for sale for like 15 bucks. I could have bought like 50 of them and made thousands of dollars, right? No, is that real? How do I know if that's real? How can I test that? How can I prove that? If you buy a car today, you try to make certain about the history of that vehicle, and what's the real condition of that vehicle. You want to test that. You want to prove that. Well, the Bible says that you need to try the spirits. You need to test them. If you would, right out beside that word try, the first time that occurs in your Bible is in Judges chapter 7. Maybe you ought to write that down. First occurrence is Judges 7. And the first time you find the word try, test, prove, examine, you got 32,000 soldiers that are going with Gideon to fight. And God says, no, you got too many because they're going to take the credit for it. I'm going to prove them. I'm going to try them. And he moves from 32,000 down to 300. And he has a couple of ways that he does it. First thing he says, anybody that's afraid, go home. I think it was 22,000 people said, well, that would be me. We're going home. And then he took them down to the to the riverside, to the water, and he said, "Listen, every one of them that laps like a dog, you're going to keep him, and all the rest of them that just drink right now they're going to go home." All he had left was 300 people. God said, "I'm going to try that." And most of the time in your Bible, God is the one doing the trying. In other words, He's the one that does the testing. You know, I, I've heard people say that, uh, you know, that they're fruit inspectors, that they can see what somebody's fruit is in their life. And by, by that, they're making a righteous judgment. But, you know, when I read the Bible, Lamentations 340, if you want to write Lamentations 340, the Bible says a man that's weeping over the destruction of his people says, uh, let us search and try our own ways. I'm going to search myself. I'm going to try my own ways. I'm going to test the way I'm living. And then Jeremiah, or rather Job says in Job 12, 11, doth not the earth, the ear try words? In other words, I'm going to listen to what I hear being said, and I'm going to test that. I'm going to try that. But if you'll turn just a few more pages over to the book of Revelation, look at Revelation chapter 2. Most of the time now in the Bible, most of the time in the Bible, God does the trying. But in 1 John 4, we're told to do the trying. Try the spirits. It's your responsibility to test them, to prove them, to find out what is error and what is truth, what is Antichrist, what is the Spirit of God. Revelation chapter 2, great church in the Bible, the church of Ephesus. And look what the Bible says about this church. Verse number 2 I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And that thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars. In other words, the church of Ephesus had some men stand up and say, hey, we're apostles. And they said, look, we're going to put that to the test. So they put it to the test, and after they tested them, tried them, they said, you know what? You guys are a bunch of liars. You're a bunch of liars. They proved them. Well, that's what the Bible is telling you that you've got to do in 1 John chapter 4. Look at it again. 1 John chapter 4, beloved, believe not every spirit, verse 1, but try the spirits. So that was my problem. How do you try the spirits? Do I talk to spirits? I mean, the Bible talks about unclean spirits, evil spirits. Am I supposed to talk to the spirits? Is that how I do that? I don't think so. In fact, I really don't want to talk to any unclean spirit. Don't want any unclean spirit talking to me to be truthful about it. I know, again, when I was in Bible college, I remember hearing the illustration about how Martin Luther threw an inkwell at the devil and told him to leave him alone. And, boy, in Bible college, we're just so amazed that Martin Luther is challenging the devil. You know, that's not what my Bible tells me. My Bible tells me resist the devil and he'll flee from you, draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. I don't have any business talking to the devil. (laughs) Neither do you. So what does that mean then? Well, he he explains it. I'm glad the Bible explains it. Verse number one again, try the spirits whether they are of God, colon, explanation, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. In other words, the spirit is in that man, and that man By his speech and other things that he does can be tested and tried just like Revelation 2. You can try the spirits that are in that man, what spirit he is of. Is he of the truth or is he of error? You say, how do we do that? I was hoping you would ask that question. If you look in verse number 24 of chapter 3, let me show you what the Bible says. I believe this is the truth of the passage we Verse number 23, and this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. How many of you have believed on the name of Jesus Christ? All right, there came a day that you believed that you needed a savior we sang about it this morning. The savior of man is not the Baptist church or the Catholic church or the Methodist church or any other program. The savior of men is the Lord Jesus Christ. We put our faith in him. Then look what happens in verse 24. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him. So I'm in Jesus and Jesus is in me and hereby know that he addeth in us by that abideth in us by that Spirit which he hath given us. So the Spirit of God is in me. So let me say this morning. The Spirit of God is in you if you're born again. You do not get the Spirit of God by speaking in tongues. That is not how you... You you are baptized by one Spirit into one body. The moment you're born again, your body becomes the temple of the Holy Ghost. All right. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I don't belong to me anymore. I belong to him now. You say, why not? You belong to him. Because he paid for me. That's why I belong to him. Amen. So the spirit of God comes to you. He lives inside of you. And that's what he's saying there in verse number 24. So verse number one now. Beloved, believe not every spirit. So there are others that are out there. But try the spirits. And those spirits are going to be inside false prophets. They're going to be in them. So how do I try them? Well, take if you would turn to 2 Peter chapter 2, just a few pages back to your left again. 2 Peter chapter 2. So how do I try the spirits? Well, you know, you don't, you don't strike some yoga pose and begin to meditate for a while and speak to things that are floating through the air. If you come home and you find your spouse, one of your children doing that, give them some medicine. Put them to bed. Amen. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. All right. 2 Peter chapter 2. Look at it. But there were false prophets also among the people. Even as there shall be false prophets among you. So there are going to be some false prophets among the people among you. Well, how do I know who they are? Look what it says: Who privily, privately—in other words, not publicly, but privately—privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them. So, the first thing I tell you about a false prophet is this: that they believe in damnable heresy. And let me let me say what that means. Here's what a damnable heresy is: changing the person of Jesus Christ is heresy. Jesus Christ was a Jew. Jesus Christ was born of the tribe of Judah. He was not from the southern United States. He wasn't from Germany, and he wasn't from Africa. He was a Jew. Salvation is of the Jews. When you start changing who Jesus is, now you're changing And you're making a damnable heresy. And it's not Jesus plus something. Listen, when you come to Jesus Christ, Jesus the Savior, Christ the Anointed One, there's only one person that God is going to accept as payment for your sin, and it's Jesus Christ. It's not Jesus plus baptism. It's not Jesus plus church membership. That is not the way it works. It is Jesus, hey, are you listening to me? It's Jesus Christ only because that's all that was needed to take care of my sin. He by himself purged our sin. Amen. They bring in damnable heresies. Well, you've got, to, you've got to be circumcised to be saved. That's a damnable heresy. Well, you've got to be baptized to be saved. That's a damnable heresy. only thing you need to do to be saved is to put your faith Amen. in Jesus Christ's finished word. Amen. Damnable heresies. A false prophet believes that. Then look at verse number 2. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. That occurs one time in the Bible. Pernicious. Without knowing what that is, how many of you think that sounds like a bad word? You're just so pernicious. Close to perdition, but not. Here's what pernicious is. Pernicious is something that destroys or kills with subtlety, like poison. In other words, look at verse number 2. And many shall follow. Many, not some. Many Look in your Bible. And many, many, many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Many are going to follow after their destructive, deadly ways that are really not spoken in truth. You say, well, what that being exact?" Can you give me an example of that, preacher? Absolutely. There's an idea today, and I preached a whole message on it, two of them in fact. There's an idea today that says this: that it is all right to drink socially as long as you don't get drunk. There are churches in our area that claim to be independent Baptist that have taken a position that they will not punish their members who go out and drink a glass of wine with their meal. Let me tell you what that is. That's a pernicious way. What that is is somebody taking and saying, as long as you don't get drunk like the world does and sit at the clubs and at the bar stools like the world does, it's all right. Have a beer while you're watching a ball game. After all, you're not hurting anybody. It's all right. Have a nice glass of wine with your steak. After all, they're paired that way. And this wine goes with fish. And this wine goes with beef. And this wine goes with vomit. I mean, with, uh, with some other piece of meat. And you can take a little bit of And here's what our, our young people hear that kind of stuff. And, and they say, well, well if, if the church across town says it's okay, it must be okay. And so well, I don't see the big deal. And what, what's the big problem? It's kind of like making marijuana legal so it's all right to smoke it once you get to be a certain age. I'm going tell you right now. I've flown on a lot of planes, and, and it's always comical to me. My, my, my dad used to do it on a regular basis. He can't. He's in heaven now. But dad would always say this when I was flying. He'd say, son, be careful. Well, Dad, 35,000 feet, 500 miles per hour, no parachute. I'll do the best I can. I'll try. (laughs) Don't know the pilot. And and I don't. I don't. I I do not look at it. When I get on a plane, I don't look at the pilot. You say, why not? Because I don't have to worry. You say, well, well, you think pilots have a problem? No, but somebody might. If I saw a a blurry-eyed guy that his hair was all messed up and his tie was half on, I would probably sit back there and pray the whole trip. Lord, please, let's get where we're going. I, I, don't, I try not to look that way. I try not, not to give myself to the fear of that. And what I'm trying to say is this, pernicious ways, it's, it's got to do with the poison that's being put in there. I, I would not want anybody to tell me they're smoking marijuana for medical purposes flying the plane that I'm riding on. I wouldn't want any dentist to take and have me sit down in the seat and say, here, we're going to go ahead and get that cavity taken care of for you. Let me do that root canal for you. And by the way, this week's been a tough week for me. I've had to really increase my use of medical marijuana. And what that does, our kids say, well, see, it's medical and you're using it for medical reasons. You know, the studies about medical marijuana and the studies about alcohol and what it does to your body and what it does to your mind. And and listen, today, the marijuana is much stronger than it used to be. And people are having so many difficulties psychologically having to take medicine. I mean, screaming in the middle of the night because they cannot take the amount of THC in there. And I'm telling you what's been, our society is being swept along and somebody gets up and says, well, you know, man, we just love Jesus, man. He has got on a pair of nice blue jeans and he got a nice t-shirt on and we just love people, man. It's all right. Amen. It ain't all right. Amen. When somebody starts taking and twisting the truth that is a way that is deadly, it's got poison in it. It's got something deadly in it. It may not look like that on the outside, but it's got something deadly in it. He said that's a false problem. Then thirdly, and I'm, I'm not going to get done with my message if I don't get moving here. Thirdly, in verse number three, and through covetousness shall they with feigned words, feigned, false words, make merchandise of you. In other words, they're more interested in making money by telling you a lie than they are in telling you the truth. I'm going to tell you something. Anybody, anybody, anybody that stands up and contradicts what's in this Bible is not somebody you need to be listening to. That's one reason I like you to bring your Bible and I like you to open your Bible when I preach. It's not just some, you know, little idiosyncrasy that I have and I just need to have everybody's Bible open. No, you need to make certain that what I'm preaching comes out of this Bible. And it doesn't matter how many degrees are behind a man's name, how large his work is. It doesn't matter if he's known throughout the world. I'm telling you right now, you, you best trust a man that's speaking to the words of God. Famed words. That's why we don't use another book than the Bible. I don't need a book of Mormon. I've got the Bible. Right, right. I don't need a catechism. I've got the Bible. I don't don't need the bag of the Gita or anything else. I don't need anything in the world except the Word of God because thy Word is truth. Amen. That's what I need. I don't need a catechism. I don't need those other things. That's a false prophet. And the Bible says many, look at it again in verse number 2, and many shall follow their pernicious ways. That the spirit of error is in that man because he is brought in damnable heresies that denies who Christ is because of his pernicious ways and because of his vain words. Go back if you would to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Now I want to point out just a couple of other things there in verse number 3, these false prophets in verse number 1, the Bible says are gone out into the world. So there's many of them, not a couple, but many of them. Verse 3. Every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, where if you've heard that it should come and, come and even now already is it in the world. So another test that you can try is this. Do they believe that Jesus Christ, the Savior of men, the anointed one of God, the Messiah, has he come in the flesh? And I can tell you what the Bible says without question, that without controversy, that God is manifest in the flesh. This is a book that's written by a man that said, I've seen him, I've handled him, I've talked to him, I know him. And I'm telling you, John says, Listen, he is. The Christ of God. He is God in the flesh. 1 John chapter 5, the Bible says in verse number 20, we know that the Son of God has come. Look at it again. He's come. And hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. There is no other God than the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice it says he's come. The Bible says anyone that, that confesses that he has not come. You know, when you ask somebody where they're born, if I, if I were to ask, if, let's say, if I, Ken, where were you born? You're born in Anderson. So if I ask you, where you, where you come from? You, where do you come from? You come from Anderson? Have you ever had somebody, well, where, where are you from? Where are you come from? They might be asked where are you born? Where are you from? I've had people ask me that when they hear me speak. They don't ask where I'm born, they say, where are you from? And then usually I get this. Well, I knew you were either from Georgia or Alabama. Why? Because of the way I speak? Yeah. Do you understand? They're not saying that Jesus Christ was born. They're he was born. But Jesus Christ is come. Jesus Christ came from eternity and stepped out into this world because he is God in the flesh. Yeah. He's not a created God. He is God from eternity past to eternity present. And he always will be God. So the test is Do you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I remember we had some Jehovah's Witness come to our door in Ardmore, Alabama. And I watched them. And um, they had uh, gone to our neighbor's house. And it was not a good thing. I didn't do the right thing. It's not a good thing. You know, it's, it's a wrong thing um but but um I, I told them I was going to follow them through the neighborhood and I was going to tell all of our neighbors who they were. So they'd go up and knock on the door and I'd follow them. And I'd tell them, "Do you know who these people are?" And I remember Rosie Price and J, J, J W said, "No." I said, "These people don't believe in uh they don't believe in hell and they don't believe that Jesus is is God in the flesh and uh, they said they don't believe that." And they of course they're telling me, "We're here, sir." So I just they backed out of that driveway, went to another one, I just pulled into that same driveway with him, got out of the car. I'm going to go up the door and tell him the same thing. I say, why? Because 3,000 people in Ardmore, they're the Antichrist, as far as I'm concerned. You say, how many, how many doors do you stop at? A couple. And then I'm pulling down through the middle of the town trying to catch up to him, and the sheriff pulls me over and <laughs> brings me into the courthouse, sets me down. He says, uh, Joel, his name was Doc Oliver. He said, Joel, he said, these ladies here say you're harassing them. I said, no, Doc, I'm not harassing them. I just told them I was going to go to every door that they go to and I was going to tell the people on the other side what they really believed about Jesus Christ and salvation. And he said, Well, now you can't be doing that. I said, Well, Doc, these people don't believe that Jesus Christ is a the Savior. They don't even believe in the Trinity. And he said, Well, now we believe in the Trinity around here. <laughs> He said, go get my pastor. <laughs> so I'm sitting there with a bunch of Jehovah's Witness people. And, and so we finally decided we were going to break it up. And I said, well, how about we just go ahead and have a word of prayer, Doc? I won't follow, I won't follow these people anymore. And uh, he said, all right. He said, go right ahead. And they said, oh, no, no. No, we, we've already said our prayers today. We don't, we don't need anybody to pray in the name of Jesus. They won't pray to that name. You know what the Bible says? There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby ye must be saved. That's the spirit of Antichrist. Now I know somebody say, well you shouldn't name people like that. I'm telling you right now the Bible says that you're not to believe them and you're to try them. And if you allow them into your home, they bring the spirit of Antichrist and that's a spirit of error. You need to give your attention to what this Bible says and need to put your faith in who Jesus is according to this book. Not what somebody else has to say. Now, that being said, look in verse number 5. Here's another mark of them. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. Now, I'm I'm not going to go into the the detail here, but they are of the world. So, they're not not of God, they're of the world. Verse 6, we are of God. We've been born again. They've only been born once. So, they're of the world, and they speak of the world. They talk a lot about the world and about the kingdom and about all those things. And the Bible says the world heareth them. So somebody's gonna pay attention to them because they're talking about the world. That's why, listen, as believers, come on, as believers, you know what we ought to be talking about? We ought to be talking about eternity. We ought to be talking about Jesus Christ. Amen. And I'm telling you right listen, when it comes, I love to get around people like talk about the Bible and like talk about Jesus. Somebody gets to talking about the Bible and gets talking about heaven, gets to talking about the Lord and gets to talking about a passage of Scripture. That's what I miss about my friend that just went to heaven at 60 years of age. He loved to talk the Bible. He loved to talk the Bible. My brother, I've enjoyed since I got right with God at 23 years of age, I got to talk, I've got to talk to my brother about the Bible. I used to get to talk to Dad about the Bible. I remember the first time I read that Jail took that tent nail and drove it through Sisera's head into the ground. I, I I didn't know that was in the Bible. I didn't know there was a woman in the Bible that was in the carpentry business of nailing men to the floor. <laughs> and then the Bible says in the next chapter that that she cut off his head. That's a pretty mean woman. I mean, you can't get much deader than a nail through the temple. Into the, I mean, no, I'm going to go ahead and cut it off. I called my dad. I said, Dad. He said, yes, son. I said, did you know there's a woman in the Bible that took a nail right through a guy's head into the floor. He said, yeah. I said, good grief. And we got to talk Bible for a little while. I know he knew that was in there, but I'd never read my Bible through and I'd lived in the world, didn't care what was in the Bible. Then I started reading this book and all of a sudden it started coming alive and I started finding out there's a whole lot in here I didn't know about. They are of the world. They speak of the world. I probably speak too much about football and athletics. Nothing wrong watching a football game. Nothing wrong seeing somebody win a national championship. But they are of the world and they speak of the world. Amen. And the world heareth them. That's that spirit of antichrist. Amen. Doesn't want to talk about God. You know, there's a lot of people that won't accept what Jesus' testimony was. Jesus said of himself, before Abraham was, I am. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection life. They, they won't accept his te- They won't accept your testimony. I mean, I, I know, I know there are some of you, there are some of you that when you got saved, your friends began scratching their heads wondering, what in the world happened to you? What happened, ha, what, what happened to you? And when you told them, Jesus happened to me, they didn't know what to think about that. And then they want to talk about, well, you got brainwashed. No, you didn't get brainwashed. You got bloodwashed is what happened. You got put into a new family, and you got a new spirit on the inside of you. And life changed. But they won't accept that test. And you know what? There's a lot of people that won't accept this test. They don't care what this Bible has to say about marriage. But we do. Because we got a different spirit on the inside of us. They are of the world, and the world heareth them. Look at one other thing. The Bible says in verse number 6, We are of God, and he that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So here's what he's saying. He's saying that he that is of God, or he that knoweth God, heareth us. So John, writing that, God using John's hand, is preaching to people. One of his disciples was Polycarp, all right? And Polycarp believed the story about Jesus Christ that he heard from John. I am privileged, and I'm I'm telling you, I'm privileged. I I know some people may make fun of it. Some people may not agree with it. I am privileged to pastor a church that loves preaching. I, I have yet to have somebody challenge me on preaching the Bible since I've been here. I've had nobody come and say, hey, wait a minute. That wasn't in the Bible. You know what I normally hear? Praise God, preacher. I know that was a tough message, but it was right out of the book. Amen. Boy, preacher, I know that was hard, but that sure was Bible. They either of God or know God, hear us. You know what I would say? When you turn off preaching in a Bible-believing church, you probably step in a direction you do not want to go. But the Bible says that that they that are of God, they hear us. But look at the verse 6. He says, and he that is not of God, heareth not us. We don't want to hear that preaching. We don't want to hear all that preaching about the Bible. I mean, we don't want to hear. We've heard it all of our lives. We don't want to hear it anymore. You know what? I I think when we get to heaven, I think we get to heaven, we're going to find out what a long message is. Amen. Amen. You think you heard a long one down here? You when We get to heaven. I, I imagine. Hey, I imagine. That somewhere, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, you, the, the heart or the mind can only uh, take what the backside can endure. Well, in heaven, you won't have to worry about that because you'll have a perfect body. You'll have to have a perfect voice. They won't get tired preaching, and you won't get tired listening. Amen. See, some of y'all aren't excited about that, are you? <laughs> you preach we're just going to sit there and listen to preaching? No, I didn't say you listen to preaching all the time. I'm just saying They that are of God hear us, and they that are not of God, they say, I don't want to hear what that Bible has to say. Listen, Congress does not care what the Bible has to say. They are more worried about their political future and their donors and the lobbyists. But that's not what we believe. we got a different spirit on the inside of us. We say, we believe what's in this book. We believe what's in this book. So, how do I test those spirits? How do I try those spirits? Well, do you believe that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? Do you speak of the world and listen to the world? Or do you hear? the words of God, that you listen to that. Now look what the Bible says. One other thing, I need to point this out. Now, verse number two hears us. Hereby know you the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come the flesh is of God. So how many of you say Jesus Christ came in the flesh? You say amen to that? Amen. Got the Spirit of God down inside of you, amen. Verse number four, year of God, little children, and have overcome them, who? The false prophets that have the spirit of error in them. How'd you do that? Because you got the Spirit of God in you and you got the book of God in your hand. Look what the about. Ye, ye are of God's little children and have overcome them because, now watch, watch. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I'm not going to preach that text. That's a great text. Come on. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. In other words, what you've got on the inside of you in the spirit of God is bigger than what the devil's got going on in the world. It's kind of like that That servant with Elisha, and he goes out to fetch the water, and while he's out there, he looks, and the hills are filled with the soldiers and the armies and the chariots of Syria. And he comes back to Elisha. He says, Master, what shall we do? And Elisha said, well, don't worry about it. There's more with us than there is with them. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if I was that servant, I would have said, where? You got them in the back room somewhere? Where are they? And he said, Lord, Open his eyes. Remember, we started off talking about spiritual discernment. Lord open his eyes. That servant, I don't know if he went back outside. I don't know if he tiptoed around the door. I don't know if he looked out, but here's what I know. When he looked out there, around the chariots and the soldiers of the Syrians were horses and chariots of fire. Amen. And I'm not talking about the kind in the movie. Dun, 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 dun. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a horse that's on fire. You say, well, I've ridden horses. I bet you never rode a horse on fire. Well, I've rode an Appaloosa. I've rode a thoroughbred. I've rode a coat horse. I've rode a walker. You never rode one on fire. In fact, if you saw a horse on fire in somebody's field, you'd probably say, something's wrong with that horse right there. There are horses that are on fire, chariots on fire. There's the angels of God. And he says, whew, I do believe that you are right. We're going to be all right. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. In other words, greater is the truth of God than the lie of the devil. Greater is the spirit of God than the spirit of Antichrist. So stop looking for the Antichrist. Stop it. You're not going to know who it is. If they were sitting next to you right now, you wouldn't know it. The Bible told you you're not going to know it. Second Thessalonians 2. So quit trying to figure it out. You say, what should I do? Listen to the Spirit of God on the inside. Amen. You know that word greater. I got such a blessing out of that. You know the first time the word greater occurs in the Bible? Genesis chapter 1. So how much greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world? The Bible says that God made two lights. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. Do you know that greater light is 400 times the size of that lesser light? 400 times the size. Do you know that greater light that greater light is 4,000 times hotter than that lesser light. You know that greater light puts out all kinds of energy that the entire solar system runs on. You know that lesser light it's just made out of dirt and rock and it just reflects. Amen. It doesn't have any life. So when God says, Greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world, if you go back and look at the first time it's greater, it's like comparing the sun to the moon. And there's a whole lot of differences. T- are you listening to me this morning, church? The Spirit of God in you is that much greater than the Spirit of Antichrist in that world. But you got to stay with the Bible, Amen. you got to listen to His voice, not their voice. I really think the world's trying to keep us terrified at every turn. I don't think we ought to operate in fear. I think we ought to operate by faith. Amen. Come on. How many of you believe our best days are ahead? Amen. I, I know our young people won't believe this. How many of you think your best days physically are ahead? Mentally. Spiritually. Emotionally. You say, I'm an emotional wreck. Well, one day... You'll be just fine. Yeah. Better days are ahead. So we need to get the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. Amen. Amen. If you stand to your feet, the simple question I have today, have you believed the spirit of truth or have you believed the spirit of error? Are you of God or are you of this world? Have you been born again by faith or have you put your trust in some worldly religion or some set of deeds that you have to do or don't have to do to get to heaven? If you're not of God, if you've not been born again, if you're not saved, today would be a great day to make that choice. Lord, I'm, I'm asking you today if there's somebody here that's lost. I'm asking you to today to make Jesus Christ their choice and to turn from this world of idols and to turn from this world's religion and vanity and put their faith in Jesus. I pray you do it for his sake. Ask it in his name. Amen. Piano's going to play. Organ's going to play. If you're here this morning, you're not saved. Listen, nobody's guaranteed tomorrow. You're really you're not guaranteed the end of this day, but you are guaranteed if you'll put your faith in Jesus, He'll save you. If you'd like to be saved, why don't you just step out this morning? Would there be any of you just step out this morning? Anybody here today say, "Listen, I need to be saved. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I've got a religion." I don't know that I've ever had a relationship with God. You can have that today. You can have that today freely. won't cost you anything. All it does is just a step of faith. How about it this morning? You want to step out? I'll meet you. I'll meet you halfway. You come to the balcony. I'll meet you in the back. You, you step out. Well, I'll meet you halfway. Would you come? Stephen, sing one verse of that and we'll close our invitation. There is a name I a love, love to name hear. I love, oh, love to that hear. name. I love, love to, to sing, sing its it's worth. it. It sounds like music in my ear. The sweetest, sweetest name on Amen. earth. It. Sing it with me. Saying. Oh, 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 oh. What a savior we have. Amen? Amen. What a savior we have. God bless you. We'll see you tonight.